Welcome to the Highland Park Community Church Podcast. Our goal is to serve and encourage you as you build a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us now as we study the Word of God together in this week's episode. Psalm 27.4. Let's go there. Um, <laughs> yep. It's all I read anymore. Uh, 27, verse 4. Um, uh, so before we get started, before I pray, a couple announcements. Next Wednesday, we are not doing what we normally do. Next Wednesday is Friendsgiving. There is a sh- sign-up sheet that is... Kate will get you. Um, it's somewhere on the internet um, for uh, side dishes and drinks and desserts and stuff. Yeah. yeah, you bring in drinks. I accidentally signed up for all four. Yes, you did. You do not need to. <laughs> um, we can fix that. It's fine. <laughs> so um, we have the uh, Mennonite House Church that's in the community is going to be joining us. And then I invited Founding City Church, Pastor Sterling's church, to come be with us as well. They might have some people show up, but they probably won't have a lot. Um, So next week, if you would like to bring somebody, I encourage you, invite somebody. Uh, Bring somebody that you'd like to see in church. Bring somebody that's curious about church. Meet somebody in the neighborhood, since most of us live in the neighborhood now. Say, hey, I got a church that I'm going to. Come hang out with me. Um, <laughs> we didn't talk about us. <laughs> so. How, how long did it take you to get here today? Oh, two minutes. <laughs> um, Somehow Jasmine's been late to you, like, every time so far. She's been oh, my God. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> no, Danny, Danny is punctual, as always. No, no, <laughs> Yeah, I feel like Danny has no room to talk. Um, the other thing is, I know I mentioned this earlier, but Santa breakfast, December 3rd, we need volunteers. It's in the morning. It's a Saturday. So please be praying about that. Um, we need to get people plugged in. I would love to see us as a church be plugged into something like that, especially since so many of us have a heart for the families in the community. This is going to be a great way to meet the families in the community um, and get to serve them. So uh, even if we don't believe in Santa Claus or don't want to push Santa Claus, um, we can still be there in order to support the community and be a light. So if we don't believe in Santa Claus? Yeah. Suggesting there might be one I meant like, that's not what I meant. Let me rephrase. There are some of us in the community that would not necessarily want to include Santa in their Christmas festivities. And there are some of us who would like to include Santa in their Christmas festivities. Whether you do or you do not, you can still come and be a part and practice hanging out with people that believe differently than you and being a support system for the community despite differences. Does that sound better? Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I'm not. So that Santa downstairs is like hiding. Are we going to bring No. No, not at all. Nope. Mike, have you been persecuted for Nope. anyway we're gonna read the bible now um so let's pray there is one more thing that youth life now has the things open for the christmas and rva oh yeah the applications if people want to um have a kid that sounds weird i'm sorry so (laughs) 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 very quickly christmas and christmas 
Christmas in RVA is an opportunity to be able to sponsor one of the kids yeah. from Youth Life, to be able to have um, different things for them for Christmas. So yeah. it's um, like a, a winter jacket, a toy, and something else. So an outfit, like pants. Okay, so it's jacket, an outfit, a jacket, shoes, and then and like a yeah, toy. yeah. And last year, people spent insane amounts of money. This year, don't. Well, because it was the first time they did it, and yeah. a whole and that was a little crazy. It was a lot. Of, it was, it was a lot. It was One a of lot. my kids got like an electric scooter, by five hundred dollars from someone. <laughs> Whoa! And it didn't even on the bus. So yeah, don't do that. That's yeah. The spend limit is like one hundred fifty dollars. Uh, two hundred fifty. Because I was looking at everything. Because oh, okay. I was like, hmm, I wonder what we could do. But, um, and there's a, other volunteer opportunities for the event itself, being able to set up and take down. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so if you want to be involved with any of that. Um, you can ask. Um, maybe you should ask me because Danny's uh, giving out children. Yeah. <laughs> so, not exactly good <laughs> All right, let's pray. Abba, we come before you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for tonight. Um, a night of refreshing through worship and prayer. Thank you that it was a night that we got to pray for each other and not just for our community. Lord, I pray that this is the last night of this series that we're doing. Help me get through everything. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, all right, so Psalm 27.4. We've been sitting here for many, 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 many weeks. I've lost track. It's five, actually. It's five weeks. No, I just remembered after I said that because the Holy Spirit brings all things to your remembrance. So don't ever tell him you forgot something because he's going to remind you if you are open to it. Um, that is, that yeah. Is yeah. So, uh, Psalm 27, 4, one thing that I've asked of the Lord that I will seek to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. So over the past five weeks that we've actually done teachings, the things that I, the the thing that I feel like the Lord has been challenging us in is how much are we willing to give Him our time? How much are we willing to give Him our time? Um, it's not enough to come together as a group and only do it when we're together as a group. One of the reasons why we face so many hardships that we don't know how to get over. One of the reasons why we fall into victim mindsets and allow spirits of self-pity to take over our hearts and our minds is because we don't know how to go to him in a moment-to-moment basis and let this be the one thing that we seek. If he is the one thing that we seek, everything else will line up. I won't have to preach anymore. The reason why we have to have people get up and preach is because, well, we as humans don't always know and are oftentimes unwilling to set aside the time and to let our heart cry be, Lord, you are the one thing that I seek. We are flawed. Praise the Lord. I'm the greatest of all the sinners. Um, You're really good at it. If I wasn't, I wouldn't be qualified for salvation. So thank you. Um, I know. So, um, <laughs> so, uh, look, tonight we're going to go over how, how do we do this? How do we, how do we take the things that we've learned over the past five weeks over all of the podcasting and, and things that we've been listening to? Cause I know that there've been a lot of us that have missed it. If you have missed teachings, go back and listen to it over the podcast to get this full scope of things, please. How do we, how do we do this? How do we make the Lord the one thing that we seek? How do we do it? I'm going to give you a list of things to do and to think about tonight. All right. So I want you, if you have paper, if you want to take notes, if you want to type stuff out, tonight's the night to do it. Tonight's the night to do it. So how do we do this? How do we make the Lord the one thing that we ask for? How do we make Jesus the one thing that we seek? How do we make Dwelling in his house all the days of our life and beholding the beauty of the Lord, meditating in his temple, be the thing that is above everything else. How do we, how do we get to that point? Well, one, you have to make a radical decision. You can't be passive. 
if you say this is what you want, if the Holy Spirit is saying this is the thing you need to be going after, then you need to say yes to him and make the choice to go after him. You can't sit on the fence because when you sit on the fence, eventually the enemy will pull you over and you'll be in the wrong camp again. It's all or nothing. And in, in, in our walk, when we, when we say yes, it's all or nothing, and we give that yes to the Lord so that He is everything, I'm not saying that our whole life will be figured out all at once and we'll stop sinning and we won't struggle with finding the time to be with Him. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is in order to find the time to be with Him and to make this our one desire, you have to make the choice. If you do not start with making the choice, then nothing else will line up and you'll continue to be frustrated as to why things aren't working out. Does that make sense? You guys with me? Two, after you make that radical decision to follow the Lord and let him be your everything so that you actually spend time with him, the second thing that you have to do is feel your feelings. You got to feel your feelings. Um, Being in a relationship with Jesus requires us to listen to our feelings while we are in the presence of the Lord, not separate. If you are feeling your feelings separate from the presence of the Lord, chances are your feelings will lead you astray. Because feelings are not facts. They are indicators to tell you where you are at. They are the check engine sign. And the longer you ignore it, the greater the chance your engine's going to break down. All right? I that's a check engine sign. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't take credit for that. Uh, I had a Bible school teacher who used to say that all the time. Um, it's fascinating that we see our biblical heroes doing this in Scripture, but we somehow don't imagine that it applies to us. We like to swallow what we feel so that we don't have to feel it. But if you read through Scripture, Job rants before God. Mm-hmm. He gets so mad that he calls God out. And of course, God corrects him. And Job says, you're right, Lord, I repent. I was wrong. You're perfect. You don't make mistakes. But he still did it. The Lord is big enough to handle all of our feelings, including our own bitterness and resentment towards what we think he did or did not do for us. If we do not confess that to him, there will always be a block between us. Always. Jeremiah was depressed. He has a whole book called Lamentations where he just decided to write about his depression in the presence of the Lord. Elijah, also depressed, suicidal, got so upset that he ran ran away from the battle, ran to a cave, and the Lord was like, in the cave said, bro, what's wrong? And Elijah said, kill me. I don't want to live anymore. And the Lord was like, you'll be all right. Take a nap. I'm going to send some ravens to give you some food. He was better after that. But it took him being honest about the fact that he was depressed and suicidal in that moment. Um, Moses. Moses' anger and anguish in the desert as he's leading God's people. He goes up to the mountain and says, Lord, I don't want to do this anymore. Give them to somebody else. And the Lord was like, nope, you're their leader. You'll do it. And the Lord then got angry later. And Moses, having that already divine experience with the Lord, said, no, Lord, they're your people. You can't give them up. You got to take care of them because that's what you said. And Dave? Look, don't get ahead of my notes. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You're getting excited. You read through the Psalms and you see David's raw emotions everywhere. Everywhere David is being honest about how he's feeling before the Lord. But we listen to sermons and we come to church, whether it's on a Sunday or Wednesday or Saturday or Friday or whatever day that we do church. And we get in front of all of our church people and they ask us, brother, how you doing? And we go, bless, bless, brother. How are you? We don't know how to feel anything. We get into these situations and these settings where it's time to pray. And rather than getting right before the Lord and giving him all of our feelings and our emotions and being honest about what's going on, we wonder why we don't feel his presence when everyone else in the room seems to. We're in moments of worship and it feels like 
Lord, I don't, I don't even feel you. Where are you? And oftentimes the reason is, is because, well, it's twofold typically when we're in a worship setting. One, you're not being honest about how you feel. You're not opening up to him. And two, well, one, you're just not worshiping. Worship isn't about you feeling good. It's about you giving everything to Jesus because he's worth it. And that doesn't just mean the good. It means the bad. It means the ugly. Jesus didn't come to save just our spirits so that our spirits would get to heaven. He came to save us holistically. Our spirit, our soul, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions, and our body. When we get to the end, we're not going to be in heaven. Heaven's going to be back here. We're going to be in resurrected bodies with our bodies being made new and perfect. And we're still going to have our souls. Part of hearing, well done, my good and faithful servant, isn't just living the mission and preaching the gospel. Part of hearing, well done, my good and faithful servant, is letting the gospel infect us so that the mission isn't just outside of us, but it's inside of us as well. Freely we've received, so freely we can go give. Why do we have trouble living the Great Commission sometimes? I'm not saying us. We, I mean, sometimes us, but... We, we, mostly, we mostly live the Great Commission, right? We volunteer. We do things all the time. Like there's so many things that we do as a small church. It, it amazes me sometimes. But, but you, you, if you want to know why there are churches that have trouble fulfilling the Great Commission, it's because the Great Commission hasn't been fulfilled in them. They didn't let it, they didn't let it get all of their being. They hide. We hide our feelings and our emotions from the Lord because we think that they're not good. We hide our anger from the Lord because we think that it's not good. My brothers and sisters, I'm here to tell you that sometimes your anger is warranted and it is a good thing, but it is not a good thing to take it out on people that do not deserve it. The Lord has a righteous anger. In the Bible, it says, be angry and do not sin. He, the, the Lord does not call your anger a sin. There are times where your depression is not a sin. There are times where your sadness and your fear is not a sin. What is a sin is dwelling in it and not giving it to him because he wants to take it from you. Mm -hmm. Amen. All of these people in the Bible express their emotions before the Lord with an unashamed freedom. Unashamed. Adam and Eve were ashamed and that's why they had to be covered up. After that moment where Adam and Eve were covered up, the entire Bible tells a story of God chasing down humanity to show them that they didn't have to be ashamed anymore. And some of our Old Testament heroes tapped into that and we are able to see it. We can trust God with how we feel because it's a part of who we are. And if we can't give him the dark parts, then he can't bring it to the light. You got light in the darkness. Right. Uh, Evagoras of Pontus, who is an old desert church father from the early century, said, if you, if you want to know God, first know yourself. We miss out on parts of who God is because we don't even know who we are because we're busy covering it up. So, look. Feeling our feelings before the Lord allows us to slow down and ask difficult questions. Like, why am I always in a hurry? Why am I so impatient? Why am I always in f flight, fight, or freeze mode? He's telling you, Daddy. Let him rip. You are. You are telling the truth. Why can't I get away from feeling anxious? Why am I so hungry and defense so angry and defensive? Hungry is not in my notes. I'm just hungry. <laughs> Why do I avoid conflicts? Why do I go looking for drama? Why does drama follow me? Why can't I slow down? When we are not in touch with what is going on inside of us, we are not in reality, but in an illusion or in denial. Mm 
And when we are in a state of illusion or denial, we are not truly being spiritual because authentic spirituality is not an escape from reality, but an absolute commitment to it. Uh, that song, by the way, that song I was telling you about, it, it's titled, Let's Get Spiritual. Let's Be Spiritual. You know, yeah. When, when, we, when we were talking about uh, we're spiritual beings living a natural experience. Yep. Yep. We are. All right, you guys ready for number three? Yes. We need to start integrating silence into our lives. Without the practice of intentional silence before the Lord, it is almost impossible to mature into spiritual adulthood. <clears throat> because when we aren't silent before Him, then our doing will never be sustained by our being with Him. If we are not silent with him, then our doing for God will not be sustained by being with God. <clears throat> We're so full of distractions, worries, and plans that our inner world is jam-packed, allowing limited room for God to fill us up. And We're all Pentecostal people here. We've all prayed the prayer, God, fill me up. Give me another baptism of your spirit. We've prayed prayers like this. We don't mean it when we don't take the time to slow down and be in silence with him so he can actually do it. We don't. We're looking for answers and we pray, God, give us some answers. But rather than getting in the silence before him to actually let us talk to us, we fill the silence with everything else. <clears throat> Integrating, before I get into that, one of the reasons why one of our prayer stations every week that we do this is taking the time to sit alone before the Lord is because if there is one thing that I want us to walk away, there's one, if when, whenever anybody leaves this church or this church disbands, whatever the Lord's plan for it is, if there's one thing that I want you as the pastor of this church to take away, it is that you learn to sit and be intentional in listening to the voice of God. Without that, your life will crumble and fall apart. But if you can learn to be intentional in that aspect, everything else about your life will come together. Integra integrating silence and stillness will completely transform the way that we follow Jesus and the way that we do life. Integrating silence and stillness will completely transform the way that we follow Jesus and the way that we do life. You may be asking yourself, why? Well, why number one? In silence, we let go, surrendering our will to God's will. If we're loud, if we're obnoxious, if we're distracted, we can't actually surrender anything to him. In prayer, we, we surrender our desire for control, approval, and security. Creating a place for silence changes the way we pray and intercede for people. Because many of our prayers come from our own self-will. But by sitting in silence with God, we let go of our willingness, willfulness and our clutching. Our approach to prayer changes from focusing on getting God to do what we want to positioning ourselves so that we want what God wants. If our prayers are not the prayers that God wants, he will not answer them and we will wear ourselves out by praying. And so the only way to pray prayers that get answered is to sit with God in the silence and learn what he wants. Learn to understand his heart and his desires and things will change. The other thing, the other thing in sitting in the silence and learning to pray with him is that if we never learn to be the answer to prayer, if we never let the Lord transform our hearts so that we become the answers of the prayers that we're breaking ourselves over, the prayers that we are crying over, then nothing's going to get done and our prayers are in vain. 
That's a true fact. Two, our sil- in silence, we let go of our agendas, allowing communion with God to become the core of our lives. In silence, we let go of our agendas, mm-hmm. allowing communion with God to become the core of our lives. Mm-hmm. So sitting before God in prayer should be about simply being with him. Mm-hmm. We Look, if there's one thing that I've learned about being a dad, it's that my kids need me more than they need me to give them gifts. It's about, it's, it's one thing that I've learned is that if my kids get me and my presence, then the gifts I bring with me will always be there. The answers to their requests will always be there. But if I am not present with them, none of that matters. I can bring a gift and they'll be happy for a moment. But if I'm not present in their lives, they'll live a life of momentary, of moments of happiness rather than a life filled with happiness because I'm there. Filled with joy because I'm there. If we could get it in our minds that we don't need him to answer prayers, we need him to simply be with us and prayers will be answered, our lives would change. We don't need, there, there are commandments to pray. I'm not saying don't come to him with a laundry list, not a laundry list, a grocery list of prayers and say, hey, God, here are all the things that I need. He wants us to do that. That's a part of communion. I want my kids to tell me what they need and what they want because I want to give it to them. There's a satisfaction in that because I love them. There's a satisfaction in God answering our prayers because he loves us and he wants to know that we recognize that we have needs. I'm not saying don't go to him with our needs. What I'm saying is if the need is the only reason you go to him, you may never get your prayers answered because his presence is more important than your need. Your greatest need is his presence, and in his presence, all your needs will be met. Ah, yes, yes. <clears throat> if we get him, we will eventually get the gifts and the grace he has for us. But if all we seek are his gifts... We're going to miss him. And we're not called to worship the gifts. We're called to worship him, right? Being silent in the presence of the Lord is a form of prayer. Do you know that? Because prayer is communion. And if you can't learn to be silent and listen, then half of the relationship is completely cut off. Sitting with him in silence slows us down enough to receive God's love without distractions. How many of us have oftentimes felt like we have a hard time receiving God's love? I have, I'm being honest. You know why? It's because I fill my life with busyness. I don't slow down to be with him. Three, in silence... We let go, allowing God to deeply transform us. In silence, we let go, allowing God to deeply transform us. Why don't you just give her a year note? <laughs> <laughs> Look, part of Psalm 27.4 is that our desire, David's desire, is that he would behold the beauty of the Lord all the days of his life. We become what we behold. If we don't take the time to behold him and to see him, we will never be transformed by his presence. If he is our example, we have to see what he actually looked like in the situations that are similar to ours. If he has been tempted in all the ways that humanity has ever been tempted and come out on top sinless, but we never take the time to see how he was tempted in the ways that we were tempted, to see how to overcome the sin, then we'll never overcome the sin. Right? Through our own self-will, we can give the impression that we are like him outwardly. However, if we never allow Yahweh to transform us inwardly, then we'll never truly change. Four. This is the last one. Well, for this list. In silence... We let go, allowing ourselves to hear God speak. 
In silence, we let go, allowing ourselves to hear God speak. Many of us want to learn how to minister well, including learning how to hear his voice in stressful, loud situations. Right? I mean, we have people who do homeless ministry in our church who want to learn how to prophesy over the people that are homeless that they get to meet and learn how to pray for people who need to be healed. We've got, uh, we'll give a shout out to Mary. Mary's going out tomorrow to minister to ladies who are in the sex trafficking industry who need help getting out. And I'm sure she would love to have a prophetic word ready for them. We go out and we minister to the people of Highland Park all the time. And we want prophetic words for them. And we wonder why we never get them. If you can't learn to hear God in the silence, what makes you think you're going to hear him out in the world where it's loud? Mm. I had a young man give his life to Christ. Oh, God. That's beautiful. That was awesome. That's awesome. If we don't learn to get away from distractions to hear his voice clearly, we will never learn how to pick it out of the crowd of voices that come at us every day. I know my wife's voice in a crowd because I hear it every day. I spend a long time with her. I know what it sounds like. Do you spend time with the Lord every day so that you know what his voice sounds like in the middle of a crowd? Mm. <clears throat> Commune with Jesus throughout the day. First Thessalonians 5.17 says that we are to pray without ceasing. The goal of spending alone time with God is not just to devote that time to prayer, but to become a person who prays without ceasing. When we become people who pray without ceasing, we have continual and easy familiarity with God's presence at all times, while working, while playing, while cooking, while leading a meeting, while driving, visiting family, as well as during worship, prayer, and Bible study. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. Praying, can, praying without ceasing doesn't just mean that we're spouting out words all day. It means that we learn how to recognize his presence and listen for him. All right. So how do we adjust our lives so that we prioritize being with God before all else? I think I can do this in the next 15 minutes. You guys ready? Mm -hmm. How do we do this? One, adjust how you define yourself. Adjust how you define yourself. You are not just a servant of God. You know that? Jesus in John 15 says, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. And to those who are my friends, I reveal the secrets of my Father in heaven. Here's what I want you to realize. I want you to realize that you are a friend of God who loves to be with Him in His presence. Don't define yourself any other way. If you want to take it a step further, you can say, I'm a child of God who loves to be with God and be in His presence. I am a friend of God who loves to be with him in his presence. Being with him is more important than being with my wife and my children because being with him refills me so that I can be present with my family well. Being with him is more important than my job. It's more important than being the pastor here. It's more important than being the director of the the Northside Outreach Center because Only by being with him can I come up with the right ideas and vision because they're his ideas and his vision to move the knock or HPCC forward. If I spend no time with him, then I'm I'm out, fresh out. It's nothing there. So that's the first thing. How do you define yourself? 
for the next couple of weeks, I really, I want you guys to think about that. How do you define yourself? What do you think about yourself? Because the way that you define yourself is going to determine how you act. It's going to determine your motivations. It's going to determine the way that you interact with those around you. The Bible talks about a lot about treating people honorably and respectfully. We don't treat them honorably and respectfully based on who they are. We treat people honorably and respectfully based on who we are. Because the way that we treat people doesn't say anything about, how, about the people that we're treating well or unwell. How we treat people directly reflects who we are. Two, practice Sabbath delight. Practice the Sabbath. We need to learn to stop and rest on a Sabbath for 24 hours because God is on the throne and he is assuring us that our world and our lives will not fall apart if we stop working. We need a Sabbath. We need sometimes, and I'm sure, so let me ask you guys this. How many times have you guys ever been freaking out so much that you needed a friend or a loved one to grab you by the shoulders, shake you a little bit and say, chill the F out and sit down? You need a Sabbath. <laughs> Practicing the Sabbath doesn't just mean self-care or doing the things you think are fun. Practicing the Sabbath is intentionally waiting on the Lord and expecting Him to show up for you. And your family. Yeah. And in Jewish culture, the Sabbath wasn't just for you. It was for your family. Mm -hmm. Your whole family read the Bible together. Your whole family did things together. Yeah. Isn't just. Hmm? Isn't just. They still practice the Sabbath. Some of them do. I mean, the country shuts down, but that doesn't... Anyway, I won't get into that. Yes, they do. You're right. I repent. And I mean, I like, look, I can't emphasize this enough. If you think you're taking a Sabbath and you don't feel full by the end of it, you're not taking a Sabbath. It's not real. I know that's going to burst some people's bubbles, but like... If you think you're taking a Sabbath and you don't feel full of God's presence after that, if you don't feel full and feel like you can get on with your week without like having a breakdown, you did not Sabbath. You wasted time. You did things that don't refill you without the Lord being a part of them. And that's your biggest issue. Right. Three, discover the rhythms of the daily office. You guys might be asking, what is a daily office? I don't have an office in my house. How do I practice it? Well, I'm going to tell you that an office isn't a place that you go. The daily office is a practice by monks in monasteries. Um, and it's oftentimes called a fixed hour of prayer. Um, that doesn't mean that you pray for an hour. It means that typically like every hour on the hour, you take five to 10 minutes and go, all right, Lord, I'm with you. I'm yeah. practicing being with you. Say that one more time. Discover the rhythms of the daily office. Okay. I missed that word. <clears throat> Let's go to Psalm 119. You said 15 minutes. <laughs> I'm only going to read one verse, Micah. <laughs> Um, 119. If, if you have a Bible in your hands, um, verse 164. Um, if you have a Bible in your hands, Psalm 119, if it's an American Bible, it's going to be right smack dab in the middle of the Bible. If it's a Jewish Bible, it's going to be a little before that. Um <laughs> so look, the practice of this daily office or this fixed hour prayer has a rich biblical history going all the way back to David who practiced set times of prayer seven times a day. David prayed seven times a day. You ready? 
<clears throat> Seven times a day I praise you because of your righteous judgments. Seven times. If you think that's intimidating, then you can be like Daniel. You ready? Let's go to Daniel 6, verse 10. 164. Daniel 6, verse 10. Dang it. This, okay. I found it. That's not right. No. Nope. Hold on. Give me a second. Daniel prayed every morning. Daniel prayed three times a day. Morning, noon, and night. And that's that's the verse I'm trying to get to. Because in the book of Daniel, yeah. Did they just miss that verse in Psalms? Seven times. Daniel 10, 6, 10. Oh, okay. So it's in here. Hold on. What? They don't believe in it? They believe in like the weirdest book in the Old Testament. They don't believe in it. So I don't have time to read through all the verses. If you read Daniel 6, verses 10 through verse 28, what you're going to see is that Daniel prayed in the morning, Daniel prayed at noon, and Daniel prayed in the evening. Um, so if seven times a day is too much for you, you can be like Daniel and try three times. And it can be just as easy as saying a prayer right before you eat. Way more than three times. Way more than three times. There you go. Yep. You're already on the right Seven is more on brand. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> Jesus said that his house was going to be a house of prayer. So we need to learn how to be praying people. Okay, it's right here. Verse, um, verse 13. 6 and 13. Yep. 613? Yeah. Mm -hmm. He still prays three times a day. Hmm. Interesting. Well, you were right. It's interesting. My translation does not say that. So that's something I'm going to have to look into later. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome. Which translation do you have, Daniel? Uh, this is um the international. With the NIV? Yeah, the oh, NIV. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Yeah. I'm going to have to look into that. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, Daniel, who's one of the captives from Judah, does not show regard for you, O king, for the or for the decrees that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Yours doesn't say that? It's okay. We'll look at it later. I don't have time. <laughs> We've got babies in the other room that need to go to bed soon, so... No more interruptions. Um, so look, the daily office helps us to create a rhythm that enables us to stop at set times in order to be present with God during all of our active hours. And we all have smartphones. We all have the ability to talk to Siri or to whatever the Android's name is and say, <laughs> is it? Galaxy. It's the Google Assistant, I guess. Um, and say, hey, set an alarm for this time, this time, and this time so that you can remember to pray. It's not that hard. If we can remember to do the things that the Lord deems sinful throughout the day, we can remember to take the time to actually spend time with Four, craft a rule of life. Craft a rule of life. Can I give you a simple one? 
Psalm 27.4. There's only one thing that I seek. There's only one thing that I ask for, and that's to draw near to the Messiah, Jesus, so that he draws near to me. I guess that's mostly the book of James, isn't it, that I just quoted? I mixed them up. It's okay. You can mix up Bible verses. The Lord's not mad. Five. You ready? Learn from trusted companions who are ahead of you. Are you able to sit and learn from people who you know have gone ahead of you? I will tell you that the more distracted we are and the more we fill our lives with busiest, usually the more prideful we are and the more offended we are. And so the harder it is to hear from those around us. It's my own life. Six. With all the things that I just told you, experiment with them. Figure out what works and make adjustments. And seven. It's the final one. Truthfully, this is the hardest one. You ready? The most challenging. Be patient with yourself as you go. Be patient with yourself as you go. You know why you need to be patient with yourself as you go? Because even though you think you know better, you don't. If you knew better, you'd act better. And just because you know something intellectually up here doesn't mean that you know it in your heart. Because if you knew it in your heart, you would act better. You would do better. The problem is, is that we've been so deceived by the world that we don't know better. We can read the Bible two or three times in a row and still not know better. Because it takes the Holy Spirit revealing things to us in His timing and working on our hearts in His timing for us to actually grow. We can't grow by ourselves. Right? So, being with Jesus before you go do for Jesus. Let's practice it. Let's practice it. Let's gain the confidence in it. Let's learn to hear Him. Because without His voice, the whole world falls apart. Without His voice, the world wouldn't have even have been created. Without Him saying, be, we wouldn't be here. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Abba, we, we thank You for who You are. We thank You for who You've created us to be. We thank You for our family here tonight. Um... We thank you for our family in the other room. We thank you for the people who aren't here. Lord, we ask that you bless them and keep them. We ask that you give them strength. Um, Lord, there's one thing that we ask. There's one thing that we seek. To dwell in your house all the days of our lives. To behold your beauty. And to meditate in your holy temple. Lord, let that be our heart's cry. Let us grab hold of it. Let us embrace it. Lord, let it transform us. Let it transform the way that we do life. Let it transform the way we think about life. Let it transform the way we think about ourselves. Let it transform the way we think about others. Let it transform the way we think about our schedules. Let it transform the way we think about our jobs. Let it transform the way we think about our bosses, our families. Lord, let it be so enticing let your presence your face be so enticing that it changes the way we think about the people that we have broken relationships with lord let it reconcile us to people let it heal us of bitterness let your face the beauty of your your presence transform us in such a way that we no longer see ourselves 
as people that need pity parties. Let it transform us so that we are empowered to pop our own balloons to our pity parties. Let it transform us so that we grow and we change and that we don't stay fixed on the problems. Because in your presence is every solution. Let us love you more than we love your gifts. Let us love you more than we love your answers to prayer. But let us remember and hold fast to the truth, the promise that in your presence is the answer. And that you love to give us the answer because you love us. You are a good father. You are a good father. You do not withhold from those that you love. You do not withhold good things from those that you love. And if you do, it's because it's not the time yet and it's gaining interest. Or it's because our hearts and our wills aren't aligned with you yet. Let let our desire for your presence be the thing that aligns us with your will. So that you, you would give us the desires of our heart. Those who delight in the Lord, he gives the desires of their heart. Yet let our hearts be transformed so that you are our delight. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Highland Park Community Church Podcast. We pray that you experienced the Holy Spirit in revelation and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. If you've been impacted by our ministry and would like to make a financial contribution or you'd like to partner with us to reach the Highland Park community, visit us at www.myhpcc.net. We'll see you next time.